welcome to the Trust Your Body Project. Trust Your Body Project is a podcast and social media movement designed to help you heal, eat, and create space for the things that truly matter. I'm your host, Whitney Catalano. I'm an anti-diet, health at every size registered dietitian, helping you stop dieting, make peace with your body, and take the power back from your inner bully. Welcome to episode number eight. So on today's episode, I am talking to the one and only Lena the Plug. For those of you who don't know who Lena the Plug is, she is a online influencer, sex worker, and I want to say porn star, but as she explains in the interview, she's not quite a porn star. She's more of, she's a cam girl and an influencer online. And if you don't know what a cam girl is, what she explains is porn stars work with directors and, you know, create like directed produced content, whereas she creates her own content and is sort of in charge of her own production, if you will, in her house. So yeah, that's what she does. She's also on YouTube and on Instagram. And so I actually met Lena um, and I'll tell this brief part of it. And then I'm going to go through my typical intro stuff. And then I'm going to do a little appetizer because something exciting happened in my life today that I want to tell you all about. And then we'll get into the conversation. No dessert because I need to go to bed. (laughs) But yeah, I'm excited to update you all and just kind of let you know where my head's at too, because there's a lot going on for me. So yeah. Okay. Little backstory on Lena. I've been following her online for like, I want to say like a year and a half maybe. And I had seen a couple videos that she posted on YouTube where she opened up about her, you know, chaotic relationship with dieting and her eating disorder and all of these things. But it definitely seemed to me like she hadn't really taken that next step, even though she was you could tell she was kind of working through it and trying to acknowledge it and face it. And so I DM'd her, I guess. And I was just like, hey, this is what I do. If you ever need help, let me know. She's got like over a million followers on Instagram. Like, of course, she's not going to respond. And I ended up meeting her at a party for VidCon last year because I have some friends who work in YouTube talent management or did. And I ended up meeting her, which was crazy because I was so excited to meet her. I'm like, I was seriously such a fan of her. I think she's just the coolest person. And she just seems so genuine on her channel. And I loved her empowered sexuality. Like I just, I vibe with that. So yeah, I don't know. I've just been a big fan of her for a while. So I got to meet her and she was like, Hey, you DM me, right? Like, can I have your number and I'll give you mine and like, please text me and like follow up and bother me and keep texting me. And I was like, okay, if you insist, <laughs> like, fine, I'll text you. <laughs> so I texted her a little bit after that. Um, she kind of started like dodging my texts, which we talk about in the interview. And you know what? It was cool because at that point, and as I will always say, you can never make someone go through this process and want to change if they're not ready. So I was very much like hands off I tried a couple times and if she's not ready, that's cool. She has my number. So a year goes by. I've been keeping up with her on social media, of course, but nothing more than that. And then out of the blue, like two months ago, I get a call or I get a text from her. She's like, hey, Whitney, I'm so happy for you, for your podcast. This is so huge. Can I do an interview? And I was like, what time can I come over? (laughs) Like so thirsty. Just like, let me come over. (laughs) So I went over to her house just for perspective. This is the first time I've ever done an in-person interview for this podcast. So the sound quality could be for sure better, but I tried my best. I'm definitely not an AV person. So I'm doing my damn best out here with my Yeti mic. Okay. But I went over to her house and we just sat and talked and I realized while we were talking that this interview for her was very much her kind of declaring herself and committing herself to intuitive eating. So like she says in the interview, which you'll hear is that she actually worked with Elise, one of the co-creators of Intuitive Eating, 
and just wasn't ready to fully commit. And I talked to her a lot about, you know, rejecting dieting when your work is literally your body and your body is being judged by millions of people online. Like, I'm not even kidding. She has millions of subscribers. I definitely want to warn anyone listening. We talk about the fact that she is kind of restarting this process. And this isn't like me talking to an expert. This is just me talking to another human being about her journey. And she just happens to have a really unique job where when your body's your job, it makes it a little more challenging. So for anyone who's early in their journey, I I definitely don't think that there's anything like triggering in here but I just wanted to warn you that, you know, that's what's up with this interview. She's starting out. She's learning how to talk about it. I'm learning how to podcast. (laughs) So here we are. But before we get into that, so this podcast, as always, is brought to you by my Patreon. If you want to join a community of supportive and compassionate people dedicated to healing their relationships with food, head on over to WhitneyCatalano.com slash podcast. That's WhitneyCatalano.com slash podcast to learn more. By becoming a monthly patron, not only will you get lots of exclusive content and support for me, but you will also be directly supporting the creation of this podcast, which I am seriously so grateful for. This week in the Facebook group, I'm doing live streams. I've been kind of like capped on posting content. So I'm doing live streams to answer questions. We have a bunch of new people joining. Someone was asking recently about dealing with chronic pain and feeling like you're at war with your body, which I personally cannot relate to, but there were so many beautiful responses and just people at different stages of their journey. And it's just, it's cool to watch. I really like the Facebook group. It's been just, I don't know, it's fun. Um, So if you want to join that, definitely check out the Patreon. And now it's time for me to read off the names of people who left reviews on Apple Podcast. So we've got Danielle C-G, Rose White, Rose Red, and Julia.K5. Thank you all for your amazing reviews. I'm loving how like genuine these reviews are. So even though this podcast is new, you all are just getting so much out of it. And that really means a lot to me and is really just, it's... So cool. <laughs> I like, I'm so emotional today. I'll explain why in a second, okay? Um, I don't think we have any new Team Truffle Salt members, but thank you so much for all of your support. And thank you to all my patrons who have been supporting me for a while. I am beyond, you have no idea. It's just so nice. A quick shout out, and this actually has to do with what I'm going to tell you. So my big news for today and why I'm feeling so like, man, I need to go to bed is I officially went full time in my business today. Yeah. So as you all know, I've been working at a functional medicine office in Pasadena, my hometown for a little while, for two years now. And it's been such a beautiful learning process for me, like so cool. And I got to work with my very first intuitive eating clients there. I worked with a lot of different kinds of clients there, people with hypothyroidism, IBS and SIBO and all these different conditions. And of course, the intuitive eating people and the people who needed my help found me, even though I hadn't quite yet fully committed to that in my business early on, especially. So I got actually a bulk of my experience initially there, which is kind of crazy to think about because yeah, without that job, I would have never had sort of like a safe place for me to 
practice and and gain my confidence. It would have just been diving straight into my business, which I also was doing at the same time, but it just wasn't the same. And so to leave today was like, I literally, I felt so clear about it. And, and you know, what's wild too, is as I've been aligning myself in my business and really becoming like stepping into the coach that I have always wanted to be and seeing my potential in the past, even just few months, my coaching has taken that next level up because I'm really doing the work that I want to do, which is this like self-worth, challenging your beliefs, challenging your negative thought patterns and like stepping into your power. That's the work that really like sets my heart on fire and makes me so happy. The binge eating recovery is kind of like a happy (laughs) outcome. And it's the reason why people come to see me. But it's again, and I will say this a million times, never about the food. So that's the work I've always wanted to do. And what's interesting is as I'm feeling aligned in my coaching and as I'm feeling like really empowered in my own life and just like, you know, doing my own baggage work and just like breaking through my own limiting beliefs, I have totally stopped attracting clients at that office to the point that like I straight up stopped getting new clients there. No people weren't booking, um, which was is was really stressful for me because I only got paid you know, when I saw clients. So as you can imagine, it's like, um, there's this pressure of I either have to thrive in my business or I have to thrive in this part-time job. And like, where do I put my energy? I felt pulled in a million different directions. And as I started to really like fully commit to my business and fully align myself with it, it's been this really interesting process to watch that like the only clients that I've really held onto at this practice are clients who are there for the intuitive eating work. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, funny how that is. So then when I quit my job today, I told my boss, thank you so much for everything. Like it was such a beautiful learning experience and I'm so grateful for it. But I don't even think me being here is good for you because even though you're losing your dietitian right now, like no one was taking advantage of me being there because I don't want to talk about food anymore. <laughs> like I don't want to talk about food. Isn't this this is literally what I talked about with Caroline. Like I don't want to. I The more I get into this, the more I'm like, please, for the love of God, don't make me talk about food. Unless we're talking about like what kind of food we want to eat, in which case like yeah, hell yeah, let's talk about food. Let's talk about, you know, some bomb restaurants in LA. Let's talk about like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, ah, I just don't want to talk about nutrition. I don't want to talk about micronutrients. I don't want to talk about exercise. I want to talk about why you eat. I want to talk about how you feel about food. I want to talk about what your parents taught you about your body. I want to talk about how you sacrifice your values because you were taught to shrink yourself and what happens in your life when you stop shrinking and you just take up space and you just fully stand in your power and like own it. That's what I want to talk about like forever. It's oh my God, (laughs) like I want to start crying again. I literally sobbed for hours tonight and it was so funny. I'm in this like group mastermind coaching program and I showed up on the call and she was like, okay, who wants to go first? And I raised my hand and she was like, okay, Whitney, like you go first. And I just started sobbing and I was like, I quit my job today and I feel really good, but like I'm sobbing. Alyssa Nobrega is my coach, but she just like created space for me to cry and honored the fact that I was feeling all my feelings. And 
you know, said that we'll definitely have some work to do, but just to enjoy creating space right now and to feel that open, expansive energy. And that is what I'm freaking doing tonight. So after I record this, I am putting this down and I'm just relaxing. Maybe watch some Netflix, maybe cry a little more. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, so I'm full time in my business, which brings me to my next point, which is if you want to work with me, (laughs) I'm like finishing up with four clients right now. And if you think that you're feeling called to work with me, but you're a little uncertain or whatever, just sign up for the discovery call. So WhitneyCatalano.com slash book. And basically we do an hour. I am going to be totally honest. I don't invite everyone to work with me. I talk to some people who just, I don't feel like are ready. I talk to some people who are super on the fence and I'm not here to convince you. I talk to people who would, I think, you know, as we talk it out, would prefer a group program. So I'm launching Jumpstart to Food Freedom again in June, which is great. You know, you can, you can wait and talk to me for that. If that's something that you think you'd really thrive in. And then the one-on-one clients, like those who are really ready and ready to dive in and do this this more intensive work. I know my job is not to sell you recovery. My job is to create space and hold your hand and really like hug you through the process, but also, you know, push you a little. (laughs) So that's what I do for those of you who are wondering like what the hell a discovery call is. We get to the root of the issue. You get to experience my coaching firsthand because I can't explain my coaching. You just got to witness it. And then if I think you're going to be a good fit, I invite you into coaching. And if not, I encourage you to keep in touch. So yeah, that's what's up with me. That's what's going on. Let me know. I have space in my calendar, as you can probably imagine. And this weekend, I'm going to go freaking celebrate, maybe cry some more, okay? So just deal with it. How about that? Um, I think next week, while I have some of this spacious time, I'm going to finally do my binge eating episode that I've been talking about doing because I posted an Instagram today that was like, yeah, whatever. I'll get there. This has been the longest friggin' intro ever. So we're done. We're there. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lena. And yeah, I, there's not going to be any outro. So see you next week. Do you want me to introduce myself or? Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Go for it. Sorry, I'm so nervous. <laughs> no, don't be nervous at all. Please don't be nervous at <laughs> okay. all. This is like. I'm wearing my sweatpants on my couch. We're hanging out. Girlfriends, yeah. all good. I'm Lena the Plug. Lena Nersessian is my real name. I'm a YouTuber, influencer. Uh, I rank pretty high on Pornhub for some reason. Yeah. And I'm a cam girl. And I have uh, body image issues like a lot of girls. So this past week, I was like, okay, you're really going to commit to this no more dieting thing. And I've been avoiding texts from Whitney. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to hit her up and I'm going to get on her podcast. And I'm just going to, this is for, I'm doing this for myself. So I don't want you to be nervous because I'm like, I really need to have this conversation right now. So as much as I want to help you and your podcast and whatever, I'm like, I really need to have a conversation about food and diet culture. And I think this is something that has been, um, I guess in a way, like eating at me since I became a public figure who's been embraced for her body. Mm. Like, how do I live in this world where I don't want to encourage diet culture and body norms or whatever, but I'm also like benefiting from it, you know? So that's the dilemma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So because you mentioned when I first came over that you worked with Elise, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the co-creators of intuitive eating. Yeah. So has that like, tell me a little bit more about this pull, pull that you're experiencing. 
when I met with Elise, I was, I was actually recommended her by some another girl who went to her and had huge success. Mm-hmm. And um, I had known about the book for a while. And this girl that I had actually known in real life, she was like, you have to go. Trust me. You have to just go. You have to do everything that she says. It's going to work. And I was like, there's no way, blah, blah, blah. And I believed her, but I also didn't really trust that. Like, I was like, this isn't going to work for me. Like I didn't trust it. And, you know, spending a lot of money on all of it. So I was like, if I'm not ready to commit and I'm not doing the work, then I need to just not go see Elise right now. But I mean, Elise is great. She's amazing. And uh, that was probably a year ago. And I think uh, part of the reason why I stopped uh, committing to intuitive eating and, and, and anti-diet culture was because I thought that everything was okay, you know, just because mm-hmm. just because you're not binging and purging doesn't necessarily mean that everything is under control or that you're doing well. Right. You know, there's obviously like a spectrum. Yeah. But now um, I've come to accept that even though I'm not binging and purging, I'm still engaging in, you know, thoughts about diet culture and just like restricting myself in ways and, and feeding into all these these things that I've believed my whole life. So yeah, yeah that's where I'm at now. Okay. Well, thank you for being honest with me. Yeah, of course. Well, okay. You identify as a cam girl or you have in the past versus a porn star, right? I wouldn't say that I'm a porn star, but it's like, this is such a, this is a whole situation because I, (laughs) I wasn't saying that I was a porn star because I didn't want to offend porn stars because they're like actually famous and they have awards and they've worked with all these directors. But then by not saying that I offended girls in the industry because they thought I was refusing to admit I'm a sex worker because I'm ashamed when in reality I was just like, I haven't shot 20 scenes with such and such amazing director. I just, you know, sometimes will film content on my phone and upload it to the (laughs) internet. Like, so obviously I fall under the umbrella term of sex work, but Uh my popularity on YouTube has gotten me to, you know, rank high on Pornhub and earn like the celebrity of the year award or whatever. And so I just live in this weird space Mm -hmm. of depending on who you ask, I'm a porn star. So and influencer in a lot of ways, because you're on YouTube and like Instagram. And that's, you know, the cam work that you do is not all that you do. Like you have so many other things going on. Yeah. And I I think just it's we live in a time where all these definitions are evolving. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like maybe in 10 years, all all porn stars are creating their content at home alone and not working for an agency. So maybe in 10 years, I'm like actually considered a porn star or whatever. It's just all the terms are just evolving. So how has your experience and involvement in this world shaped the way that you perceive your body? Um, <laughs> no pressure. I mean, no, it's just like, it's a lot. Cause yeah. it's like, you know, don't look in the mirror. Don't become, don't police yourself. Don't worry about how you look. You look the way you're supposed to look. These are the things that I am repeating to myself in my head. But then so much of my job is looking at myself, whether I'm editing my own YouTube video, whether I'm editing my own sex scene, whether I'm on cam, where there's a mini screen that I have to look back into mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, my whole body's in the screen so that people can see it. I'm just constantly constantly staring at myself. And so whether or not I actually look different from day to day, I'm like looking for things like, okay, you look, maybe you look a little bigger today or you know what I mean? It's like, it's really hard to stay away from those thoughts when you're constantly dissecting your appearance because Mm -hmm. you, it's, you're, you're being confronted with it. It's right in your face. You cannot avoid it. Basically, Elise and I just like came to the conclusion, like I can, I can do this, but it's going to be a lot more work than it might be for someone who doesn't have to fit a certain, subscribe to a certain, um, figure or like, you know, be in the public eye, you right, know, right. So there's just, cause there's just added pressure. 
Yeah. And being subjected to, you know, everyone's comments about what you should look like. What's your experience of that? Um, It's all over the place. It's when I first started to gain followers or popularity or whatever for how I looked, I was heavier. And so there's a lot of people who say, you know, I I wish you were still bigger, which Mm. those comments don't bother me that much. I'm like, okay, that's that's okay, You know. People, yeah, people do pick out little things like, oh, you look old now or, you know, just (laughs) I'm like, thanks. And, you know, the thing is, no shame to anyone who edits their photos, but I I don't edit mine. So I'm like, yeah, I could look 16 if you really want me to. But, you know, I, I I don't do it for like moral reasons, not because I think that that I can't use them, but it definitely makes it harder. You know, you might be having like a really good day and you're like, I think I look great today. And then you go on the internet and you post a photo and then all of the comments say like something opposite. And you're like, oh, okay. Now I have to reevaluate my thoughts or, you know, you have to build some strength against the things that people say. So how, how do you do that? Um, <laughs> I think since I've been doing this for a couple years now, I've just gotten way more used to it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's normal. It's just, a, if, if, if I didn't get hate comments, I'd be like, oh, this is weird now, you know? Cause I'm, so I guess it's just with time yeah. that I've come to accept it. Like, you know, this is, this is kind of just what people do. Yeah. So I'm curious how being in this world has influenced your eating in terms of like being around other girls. Oh, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not even just people like in the industry or whatever. You know, I hear my parents talk about it, my aunts. Ever, ever. It's like people are always talking about dieting, yeah. even if they don't realize they're talking about dieting. I'm like, is this the only thing we have to talk about? You know, but then I feel like if I just started talking about intuitive eating or about let's not talk about this. It's almost really weird. Mm. Like, how do you introduce this without like almost diagnosing someone, you know, you know what I mean? Like you're like basically telling someone that they're, that they're wrong or there's something wrong. It's it's the kind of thing where you don't want to give someone unsolicited advice. So you just have to suck it up, but, um, it's hard. It's really hard. So I just try not to chime in. Yeah. You, you know, kind of just keep to yourself. Yeah. Because there's nothing helpful that I'm going to say to someone who's not receptive. Right. You know, cause I, if I was on a diet and I was feeling myself and I felt like everything was going right, I was losing weight. And someone tried to tell me like diets don't work. Don't do diets. I'd be like, you're what the hell are you talking about? You know, yeah. it, it would just seem crazy. Yeah. And we were talking about that a little bit when I first came here, because you were mentioning that you were kind of like avoiding my texts or whatever. And there was, you just weren't really ready to talk about this stuff. And I wasn't ready to do the work because I was on a path where whatever I was doing diet wise was working. And Mm. I was really like liking my body and I was feeling like everything was, you know, I was, I was in the honeymoon stages of the diet or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so you wait, you have to wait till you're like rock bottom, right? Before you're really ready to come, not always, but that's kind of when it unfolds usually. Yeah. So, um, I, I wouldn't say that I was rock bottom when I texted you this week, but I just had this realization, like, you know, I was, I was, I was dieting and doing all these crazy things for a photo shoot at the beginning of December. And then I went to Japan and I traveled for a month and I ate whatever I wanted. And it was just this really obvious, like, you know, restrain and then binge situation. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm getting ready for a trip to Australia. And so I was doing the same thing and I'm like, okay, you're not, you're not doing this again. Like, what's the point? What you're going to go to Australia and like binge and then come back and go on a diet again. And then wait till your next, you know what I mean? It's just, 
I was I'm, I'm I'm seeing myself in the future and I'm like, okay, we're not we're not going that down that route again. Yeah. We know it doesn't work. I think that's really powerful because there is you have to kind of break that short term mindset. Exactly. That is so hard to get out mm-hmm. of when you're really in it. But then, you know, in the back of your mind, like what the long term outcome. Exactly. Is. And that's the thing that really sticks out for me is the long term. Like I've been thinking a lot about I want to have kids in the future. And I'm like, if I have a daughter, I'm going to make her feel some type of way about food by just having my own mm. issues about food. And I don't want to do that. That's what's like motivating me is that long-term, like, are you really going to, you know, get pregnant and then be worried about, you know, gaining weight and, you know, just that, that whole thing is, is a whole, if you're really in the diet zone and you feel like that's the only way to live, then what's going to happen when you get pregnant and you have to gain weight. And then what's going to happen when you have to take care of this person and you want them not to feel some type of way about food, you know, because I, I see it with my family. I've seen it with a lot of my, my cousins that are girls and their moms and with me and my mom. And I'm like, this is just going to be a cycle if you don't right. stop it somewhere. Yeah. And it is a cycle. It's something that I always encourage people not to get angry at their parents, but to just recognize that oh, like... Yeah we all learned it from somewhere. Exactly. And even if you don't learn it from your parents, like you might learn it in middle school during puberty when it happens to a lot of girls or you might learn. I I don't even want to know how many girls are learning it from Instagram. And it just breaks my heart. I at least want to make sure that I'm not a factor in it for my future kids or nieces or whoever it is. You know what I mean? So I just feel like I'm like, okay, you're 27 now. You've been doing this for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's try something that actually works because right. we know this doesn't. Yeah. So even if the other thing doesn't work, it's worth a shot. What you're doing isn't working and intuitive eating could also not work just as much. But why aren't we going to try it? Because we've right. tried literally everything else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you first were recommended intuitive eating or to go to Elise or, you know, however that started, mm-hmm. um, what was kind of the straw there? How did you get to that point of doing that? I was working out eating healthy, but then working out and eating healthy turned into working out and eating just cauliflower and chicken and, you know, Mm -hmm. really, really liking my results and stuff. But then it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of losing it because I was like, okay, but this is all documented on social media. If I gain weight, it's also going to, people are going to see, people are going to know. And just like being so worried about all these things. And uh, yeah, I mean, I actually, I'm just, I'm just so lucky because I went to a gym and this, this girl came up to me and she was like, I would go see Elise. Like she like, she was like, she knew that I had a problem before I knew I had a problem, but she didn't yeah. say anything to me until I had like opened up about it in one of my YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And then she reached out to me and was like, just listen to me, like, just try it. I was so resistant and, you know, just hearing her stories and how they sounded so similar to mine. That was really where I was like, oh, actually that plus, you know, Adam was like, I'm not doing this with you. Like if mm. you're going to, if you're going to do the eating disorder thing, like we're, we're not, we're not doing this because he's interesting. His first serious girlfriend when he was like 19, she had bulimia and he was like, I tried everything to help her and I couldn't. And, right. and, uh, I don't want to have to watch you do the same thing. Yeah. And so that was really powerful for me too. So yeah. it was like him being like, I'm not doing this with you. And that girl being like, this works. I promise. Just, just give it a shot. Yeah. So I feel very lucky that both of those things were in my life. It sounds like it's Adam really setting his own boundaries Yeah. because you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped mm-hmm. and to get into a very serious relationship with someone who doesn't want to help themselves. Yeah. That's, that's setting 
yourself up to be hurt. Yeah. That would be motivating to be like, okay, wow. Like this is affecting my relationships with people. Yeah. And I mean, obviously for me, it was like, okay, well, he's, he's showing you that he cares. Like, even though it's a harsh thing, I I needed to, I needed that harshness. I didn't need to be coddled about it. It was like, get up and get your ass into gear because you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt people around you. You've Mm -hmm. already been hurting yourself for so long. And the truth of it was that I got popular on the internet weighing more than I was weighing in that moment. Right. And not that the number matters, but it, it was in my head that people weren't going to like me. I'm very fortunate that that actually happened, even though that was over a year ago and I still have been, you know, dieting, but not to the extreme intense level that I was before and no binging and purging. So it's like, I've gotten better, but I'm not, I have a long way to go Yeah, because it's a lot of it comes from not just the behaviors, but the thoughts too, and reframing your thinking and all that. How do you deal with when the thoughts do start to come in and they get you, they bring you back towards dieting. Mm -hmm. Like what tricks do you have that have been like successful in this, taking those steps forward towards intuitive eating still? Um, It's almost like where I'm at right now. I can't even let myself go down that far. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, there's been so many nights in my life where I've binged or something and then gone on my phone and tried to look up. In this part of the interview, Lena talks about how she spent so many nights, you know, going down this rabbit hole of looking up different diets and trying to find all this, you know, advice that's going to fix the fact that she just binged. But of course, anything that she could possibly find out, like she probably already knows from years of doing this. So I wanted to say that part because there is a fire truck in the background and I didn't want to scare anyone who's driving, but I also didn't want to just cut it out completely because I thought that might be informative and helpful for someone who feels like, you know, maybe there is one more thing out there and it's like, chances are no. And also, you know, it should say something that most of the advice that you get online is um, (laughs) contradicting. So back to Lana. It's almost like my body is just so protectant against going down that route because we know how painful it is Mm -hmm. that I'm like, you know, this was a bad day or so a day that made you feel bad about yourself, but it doesn't have to like be like that tomorrow. You know, we can just, we can just move on, Yeah, you know, just accepting it and moving on because even, you know, quote unquote, normal eaters have days where they ate until they felt like shit. Just like you had another crap day about anything. It's just, it happened to be surrounding food or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's okay to just keep going. I don't know the dieting thing. It's like, sometimes if I end up dieting, it's like, I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, you just really love eating this salad and then I realize I'm eating it and then I get sick of it and I'm like okay maybe now you should probably choose something else to eat otherwise you're really just actually dieting and pretending that you're not oh my gosh that's such an interesting point because that's something that I experience all the time with my Mm -hmm. clients is that they realize when they give up dieting that some foods that they were eating all the time they actually don't really like that much Mm -hmm. and it's always this weird moment of like reassessing your motivations yeah, and being like, wow, that can affect our taste. Like mm-hmm. it can affect what we think is enjoyable. Yeah. Is there anything in particular that happened to you with or? Well, one thing that when I had that conversation with that girl um, who told me she went to Elise and felt a lot better, she was like, just eat everything. Everything is on the table. You're allowed to eat whatever you want. I never went back to the cabinet for a spoon of peanut butter again. Oh my gosh. There's just like four <laughs> giant things of peanut butter sitting in my cabinet. Yeah. And all the time I would just take spoonfuls of peanut butter and eat them because I was like, oh, it's the pseudo healthy food in my head. Like it's not quite bad, even though it's not quite good and it's paleo and whatever. Yeah. It's actually not paleo. So never mind. Yeah. But anyways, I was like, it's a whole food and this, this, that. And then I realized once I said that you can eat as much peanut butter as you want, 
I love peanut butter, but unless I'm like eating oatmeal, I don't go and like eat a bunch of it off the spoon. I don't know. It's like, right. and that to me was like one piece of truth about like, oh, this could work because yeah. once I said that I could have as much peanut butter as I wanted, whenever I actually wanted it, then I don't know. There's something here that's going to help me. Yeah. yeah. That moment of like, wow, this actually does. Exactly. Unconditional permission is so powerful mm-hmm. and you only really know how powerful it is when you really experience it. Yeah, you're like, exactly. That works so well. So switching gears just a little bit. I mean, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was I was watching an old video of Mm -hmm. yours and you said that it was kind of like, because you're Armenian, you grew up in Glendale for anyone who's familiar with the LA area. And getting a nose job when you were younger was like a rite of passage. That's like something that everyone did. It's just normal. It's just totally normal. It's not like looked down upon. It's not weird. It's like... I, how did that shape the way that you saw yourself or did it? When I was younger, I didn't really like know that I had a big nose. Like I didn't know what was a big nose. I was just like, oh, I have a nose, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. but we, um, we set it up. I got my nose job and whatever. And I remember just saying like, I don't want to look different. I don't want it to be like super noticeable. Everyone in my high school would go to, you know, the same doctor and get the same nose. And I was like, mm-hmm. I just don't want it to be like to be like that. I just wanted to be like subtle, but Armenian culture is just like plastic surgery and getting your hair done, makeup. It's like very important in the culture. It's like a huge part of the culture. And it didn't really influence me a lot when I was living in Glendale. Cause I was like very anti, I was like, Oh, I don't want to be like this. I'll never do this. I'll never do that. As far as getting like all these hair extensions and crazy things. But I feel like now being an influencer and like being part of social media, it, it has influenced me more than when I was in high school. Even though I know that there's editing, even though I know that there's like lighting and all these things, I still sometimes will see a photo and I'm like, you know, on the Explorer page and there's this really pouty girl with these huge pouty lips. It's like a total trend right now with these crazy lashes and this perfect skin. I'm like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should get this done or maybe I should get that done. And I have to X out before I really go down this, (laughs) this hole in my head of like what I'm going to do when in fact that photo has been edited a million times over. Yeah. I relate to that because it's something that I've grappled with too. Now that I'm in this space so much. Where's the line that I draw for myself? Cause obviously I subscribe to the whole makeup thing. Like I'm, I'm down for a lot of the beauty industry and yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Even though I know it's like inherently patriarchal and problematic, I'm still just like, whatever, you know, yeah. I like it. I like, mm-hmm. it makes me feel pretty. Who cares? And I find myself asking where I draw that line. Mm-hmm. Like where is, you know, will I get work done on my face as I get older? Like do no, exactly. my lips, like everyone's got their fucking lips done in LA. <laughs> I know. I, I think about that a lot too. I'm like, how, cause you know, I'll post a photo and then there's just a million comments from girls that follow like, oh, you're so perfect. I wish I looked like you. And how can I look like you and all these things? And I'm like, you're unintentionally encouraging this and benefiting from it. And then I want to subscribe to the whole, like, should I get more work done? Should I do this? Should I try this makeup thing? And it is a weird thing. It's like, where, where, where do we draw the line? Where do I want to, I don't know. It's hard. Cause yeah. it's so hard. Cause it's like a lot of my followers are male and a few of them are fe- like, you know, I've got 10% female audience on, on, on Instagram or whatever, but I do try to think about like, what are you posting? That's going to be negative for, um, I don't know. It's so hard. If I had like a, you know, the opposite di- demographic 90, 10, it would be so much harder. I would, I would really, really think so much more about like, mm-hmm. what are you putting into each post? But I mean, I do really think about it because so many people have asked me to do like 
what you eat in a day videos. And why have I never made one? Because I don't want to encourage diet culture because what do you mean? What do you eat in a day? Like, does it, don't you eat different things every single day? I don't, under, I don't understand the concept of this Thank video you. at all. I'm like, <laughs> how, how do people even have what you eat in a day videos? Like, yeah. What I ate today, maybe, but yeah. like, <laughs> so weird. That is such a good point because I've really, I don't like them. I, and I know dietitians who do them. I know, you know, influencers who are allegedly body positive, but like they're still selling dieting who are on YouTube doing that. And they might not even know like where they're supposed to draw the line or what is encouraging diet culture and what isn't, you know? Right. So they might even be uninformed, but yeah, I think about that a lot on YouTube because a lot of girls are always asking for certain types of videos, whether it's the skincare video or, and I don't make them because I'm like, I don't have a skincare routine. Like I'm just, (laughs) I'm fortunate and this is what my face happens to look like, Yeah, but I I don't know if I want to encourage I could make up a skincare routine and make a video and make money off of it. But I'm like, I don't know if this is necessarily helpful because it's not true. Yeah. You know, and when you know, you know, I think you're, the point that you made is really spot on, which is a lot of these people who are putting that stuff out. That's re- that really colludes with diet culture, whether or not they may say it does. Mm-hmm. They most likely are just not informed. Exactly. Like they yeah. just don't know. Exactly. You hear people say they have good days and bad days about food all the time and they're not even on diets necessarily. Right. If you told them like, oh, are you dieting? They'd be like, no, I'm not. But it's just, it's become so normal. And yeah. especially in this culture, it's like, you're supposed to always be on a diet and, you know, skinny legend and whatever, all these oh like God, memes. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, you know, and I try to respond every time a girl or someone comments on one of my pictures saying, you know, what did you do? Or how can I look like you? Or why don't I look like this? And you make me feel so ugly. Like I try to respond and engage in a conversation or send a, you know, a DM or something. Cause it, it really breaks my heart. It's like, I didn't have social media when I was younger, I had Victoria's Secret magazines, but (laughs) there is a place where a conversation can be had now. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, I want to be what I needed sometimes when I was that age. I'm like, how can I be the person that I needed when I was a kid, you know, or the thing that I needed to hear? So yeah, that's just why I don't want to make these certain types of videos that sort of fall into my category because girls like are looking at me for fitness or physique help or whatever. And I'm like, I I don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. So what would you want to say to a younger version of yourself? Stop dieting. I mean, listen to, I I don't know how to tell if I'm hungry or full Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to eat intuitively and I can't figure out what I want to eat because everything I've just screwed with myself so much over the last decade plus about what's good and what's bad. And when I open up Postmates and I want to figure out what I want to eat, I'm like, I have no clue. I'm so confused and we mm-hmm. shouldn't be so out of touch with our bodies. So I guess I would hand that book to any girl my age who, who, who has any questions about it. But I'm like, I haven't even read the book, so I haven't even made like a, a video on it or anything because I'm like, you have to do the work first. But I, right. would, I would just, yeah, I would just like, don't diet because you think you're doing the right thing and you are going to lose weight on your first diet and then you're going to fall in love with the whole thing and then mm. it's just going to get messy. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's not worth it. No, it's not worth it. It's so not worth it because the amount of time and energy that we put into dieting and placing our bodies and thinking about food, it's like the amazing things that I could have done with all that time. I'm just, I just try not to even think about it because it's like, I'm a master dieter. I'm a master. Mm -hmm. I could tell you the calories on almost every food that you can, you know, say to me how sad that that's like, that's what I, I consume so much of my time with. I, I read a, one of Mindy Kaling's books like a year ago and she was like, 
she said, I don't want to quit dieting because then I won't have a hobby. And it's right. like, it's true. That's like, yeah, that is our hobby. Like yeah. trying to maintain or enhance our figures, even though with time and gravity and aging and all of that, we're going to look different no matter what. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to preserve the way that you look. And even if you start enhancing it, like you're going to, you're going to crash and burn somewhere. You know, you need yeah. to just figure out what's going to work for the rest of your life. And that is li- like listening to your body. You know, if you listen to your body, how could you possibly do something wrong? It right. makes, it makes the most sense. So yeah. it has to work, right? <laughs> it's logical. Oh, I love that. If you listen to your body, how could you do something wrong? That's so I mean, true. You know, my mom was here the other day and she was, she was really hungry and she was like, oh, but I'm, I'm not supposed to eat past a certain time. And she's like walking mm. around my house hungry. And I'm like, mom, please just eat something, you know? Cause it's just so crazy to think like I'm doing the wrong thing if I'm hungry and I feed myself because it's past a certain time. And that that's illogical. Right. You know? Yeah. It reminds me of this Naomi Wolf quote. That's like, uh, dieting is one of the most powerful political sedatives. So basically like dieting and the determination to achieve some body goals Mm -hmm. is keeps women from doing important things in the world Oh yeah. because we're way too busy dieting. Like yeah. you can't think of anything else when you're dieting and you're not eating enough. It's, it's <laughs> so crazy how it's just, you're consumed by it. You're consumed yeah. by every single thing that is affected by your, like your diet could be affected by anything. Like, oh, are we going to go out? Are we going to drink? Are you're invited to this thing? And you just start thinking about like, what kind of food are they going to have there? Mm-hmm. And okay, maybe I'll get up early so that I can work out an hour. Cause then maybe if I go and I eat, you know, it's just like, I see my boyfriend and I'm like, he eats and that's it. It was the end. Like, wow. How miraculous. <laughs> that seems amazing. Just like someone with a totally normal relationship with food who's never had to actually think about yeah. having a normal relationship with food. They just were always yeah, there. It's just food. Yeah. They, they do it and then it's over. So you were telling me earlier that something happened the other night. You were at this event and you wanted to eat this like oh, yeah. grilled cheese. So tell me about that. So I, I've been, you know, prepping for this Australia trip. I just got back from Vegas. It was the, the porn convention. So there was a bunch of drinking going on and we had to be in these two piece bikinis mm-hmm. and I was around all these other women and I was trying starting to feel like I was the I was like physically the biggest girl at the booth, Mm -hmm. even though like I'm known for my bigger physique or whatever, I was like, it was bothering me. So I got, came back to LA and I I was like, you're going to get into gear. You're going to work out a ton. You're going to eat these salads every day, which I'm so freaking sick of these salads. I was, I I love them. I thought they tasted great. And now I I eat so many of them that I'm like, I I have five bags in my fridge and I can't eat any of them. But anyways, (laughs) you know, I got invited to a Grammy party and I was like, oh, let's go. Let's check it out. Like, this will be a cool thing to just see. And there was a, a, booth there and they had um hot pink grilled cheeses Love that. and you know the toast was pink and I was like oh you can't try it but you really want to like it looks so cool and here at a Grammy party and so um I ate grilled cheese and the whole ride home on my Uber I was just thinking about like what did you do and tomorrow you have to fix this and blah 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 and I'm like I don't know. It just, it just occurred to me, like, you cannot do this again. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to diet for the rest of the week, go extra hard for what to get to Australia and then start binging on everything. Cause you're like, maybe this is the only time I'll ever come to, you know, these are the kinds of Mm. thoughts that come with restricting and then being around the food again. You're like, you know, maybe this is the only time I'm ever going to come to Australia. I have to eat all these things now because it's my only chance to experience it. And then I'm going to come back from Australia feeling like total crap. And it's just, 
this constant back and forth, you know, before, yeah. before the, the life that I live now, it's like when I was in high school or whatever, it was like, oh, there was a school dance or there was summer or there was, there's always something that is going to make you want to go on a diet. And how about you always just, you know, just eat whatever you want, whenever you want so that you don't have to feel this sense of panic around food. And so I don't know, it kind of just made me think, like want to try this again. And I tell people that like, if you're not ready just mm-hmm. go do another diet then. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to tell you, you have to do intuitive eating right now for the rest of your life. Like you have to really get there on your own. Yeah. You need that moment of, of realization and clarity of like, okay, you need help, you know? And it's like that with a lot of things. I, I, I got into fitness when I was really, really like excited and ready to start mm-hmm. doing it. And now I feel like I'm an intuitive, like I'm, I'm intuitive with my workouts. Like I'm mm-hmm. like, I do them cause I really like them and I look forward to them every day. And I, if I don't want to do it, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to cancel today, mm-hmm. but I need to start doing food. I'm, I, I feel like I've been on track this week on, yeah. in terms of committing to the intuitive eating thing and, and just, you know, went out on Valentine's day and I ate everything yeah. that I wanted and I ate the bread basket and didn't feel bad about it. And that small victory is enough for me yeah. so far. Oh, I love yeah. small wins. They're exactly. So it's, all about the, it's all about the small wins. Yeah. So. It's a good segue, I guess, for my next question, which is obviously you are under the like sex work umbrella, mm-hmm. but how has your relationship with like intimacy and sex changed as your relationship with your body changes? I mean, when I feel like I'm smaller, I feel more interested in being intimate. Mm. When I feel like I'm bigger, I'm like, trying to cover up parts of my body or, you know, and I think that's just how it's, that's regardless of when I've worked in sex work or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess intimacy and sex is affected by food because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm too full or I'm mm. to this, you know, but I think that in itself is like something that's really relatable for people because especially after a binge, like if you've been mm-hmm. emotionally eating or binge eating, you're not going to want to like go take off your clothes and like oh, yeah. have someone yeah. see your body, um, whether it's on the internet or just your partner or whoever, you yeah. know? Um, and I totally relate to that. Yeah. And I mean, I, if I feel like that, then I won't, you know, part of my job is being active on social media. And sometimes I'll have these like weeks where I don't post anything or I like won't go online for camming or whatever. Cause I'm like, I don't feel so great right now. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's my job. I have to work. So it makes it kind of hard sometimes. And you've talked in your YouTube videos before about having social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Is that something you'd be open to talking about with me a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it's like weird because I don't, I feel like I'm a very social person and I don't always have social anxiety, but it just, it's like I work from home by myself all the time. So then mm-hmm. now when I find myself in social situations, I'm like, it's like I've forgotten how to behave. Right. Like <laughs> I'm like on my phone a lot. I get weirdly shy when people come up to me to talk to me because mm. a lot of times when people come up to me, they're like, oh my God, you're so bomb, like your body, blah, blah, blah. And they just want to talk about my body, which is what I'm like known for. Right. And it's a really weird, uncomfortable conversation for me to have. And I think a little bit of that gives me social anxiety because I'm like really bad at accepting compliments, but then I also don't want them to be like asking me about how to diet. And it happens a lot. And I'm like, so I, sometimes when I go out, I'm just like, Mm. Yeah, because you you kind of can't avoid it because people recognize you. Yeah, I don't know. I just get like weirdly like shy and like I'm, I'm not embarrassed about what I do, but I'm just like people are praising me and like treating me like this amazing human. And I'm like, I have my own fucked up issues and I'm, I'm just trying and I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm fumbling around and somehow it's working. And, you know, so <laughs> yeah. when people are like, oh, my God, you're so amazing. I'm like, stop, please stop talking to me. 
<laughs> I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And I don't necessarily always feel like I'm doing something great, but it's just, it's weird because mm-hmm. I, it's like, I obviously I'm fans of people. And so when I see them, I want, I feel the same way, but um, I, now I'm more like, okay, it's okay. Like just be, be normal. <laughs> so obviously like age is a big part of the industry that you're in and mm-hmm. you know, celebrityism. I don't know if that's a word in general, <laughs> well, um, pretend it is. like women have kind of this like quote unquote cut off. How do you grapple with that in terms of what you do? Well, I mean, I feel like internet fame and a lot of fame is very short lived. Mm-hmm. Like that's already one layer, but then of course the aging woman is a whole other thing too. So it's something that I'm concerned about just because you never know when your time on the your 15 minutes on the internet is over. But obviously, I don't know. I just, when I started doing this, I, I, I was always of that mindset, like party's going to end one day. Like I've always just accepted that. And it doesn't really bother me that much because I've always like known that, you know, I, I started doing this, but it kind of just happened by accident. And so now that I'm doing it, I'm like, I always know, okay, maybe this is the last year. Maybe next year is the last year. But I think that like whatever I do will evolve. Like I'm not always going to, be doing something that's so body focused or, you know, I'm not always going to be doing the sex work thing, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, obviously I do think that's unfortunate. A lot of the the girls in the industry, a lot of the, they're so super young. They're, yeah. they're, I think almost too young to be doing what, what I feel yeah. sometimes it's like, is 18 old enough? I don't think so. Yeah. It feels weird. I don't think like I'm not on set with, with directors and all that kind of stuff, but I feel like I'm finally at an age where if someone told me to do something, I would feel comfortable saying, no, I'm not going to do this. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine being 18 and and some agent is in your ear telling you that you're going to be performer of the year or such as, you know, and you just start doing things that you don't necessarily know that you want to do. And you're, you have this permanent record online of what you're doing. And, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's too young. I think it's terrifying. Yeah. That's something that I have to deal with because girls always ask me, like, how can I join this industry and whatever? And I either don't engage in the conversation or I say, like, you know, make sure that you do your research and know know that you want to do this and why you're doing this. And that it's not just for, you know, money to fix your car or whatever it is, because a lot of times it's like, hey, I need to pay for this. Right. It's not that. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Like you have to actually be signing up for it and like consenting to exactly what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. I was watching um, Hot Girls Wanted on Netflix. I haven't seen it. It's interesting. I think you'd like it. It's um, in one of the episodes. It is a lot of that. It's like 18 year old girls and this guy who's part of the recruitment of Mm -hmm. finding these girls. And what I liked is it looked at this whole part of the industry from like a very empowering way of this guy is actually advocating for these girls and being like, if you only want to do girl and girl, if you only want to do cam work, like you can do that. You don't have to do the things that you don't want to do, but I know that that's not happening anywhere outside of this Netflix documentary. And then like a few, it depends. I mean, you might, if you're a girl who's been in the industry for five or six years or something, maybe even two years, but you have a name and you're, you've, you've earned your whatever, like you, you can start to say, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. I know I don't like that now, blah, blah, blah. But I think most girls starting out don't probably feel that they have the right to say that or the room to say that because they do want to get popular. They do want to earn more money. So how do you set boundaries for yourself? Because I know obviously you created your own everything. Like you kind of just went into social media because you knew how to do it. Mm -hmm. But how do you set boundaries for yourself maybe when you're in public or if you're working with other girls or just working with whoever? Like, I mean, I feel like the boundaries that I've set for myself, I've never really had to care about like 
getting more famous or whatever the other pressures that these girls Mm -hmm. want maybe, which, you know, makes sense. It's a very attractive thing or whatever, but you know, I could get more popular if I decided like, I'm just going to become a real performer and I'm just going to finally do like a a scene with another male or whatever. I'm like, I'm happy. Like I have a boyfriend. I'm happy with my house and my cat and my, you know, (laughs) my life seems like it's much more crazy and like reality TV show based than it is. But a lot of it is really just like, I'm at home with my cat doing the cam thing. And you know, dragging myself out of the house feels like a lot sometimes. But I think that if I was younger or if I really like wanted to figure out how to get more popular and more famous, then I would maybe be doing things that I didn't necessarily really want to do. And I think that's one of the reasons that like me and my friend Katie, who when we first like when I first found you online, I was like obsessed with you (laughs) because you really do like stick to your guns and you're very much you. I don't know how to be anyone else. Yeah. Like I, I I constantly think about like I could be a better YouTuber if I was a better liar. Right. Because I feel like a lot of YouTube videos are just like either very exaggerated versions of something small that happened Mm. or like it's not like I don't know dirt or tea on famous people. It's not. But I'm like, I, I I'm not the kind of person that's like going to do this to get ahead or, or is going to make up some lot. You know, Adam and I could have, have had a million fake breakups to, right. do the, to do be more popular <laughs> yeah. on YouTube or we could have publicized our our fights or something. But it's like we're, we're in a real relationship, so we mm-hmm. don't really feel like making this fabricated story is like going to benefit us in any way right. in real life just because it's going to benefit us online, you know? So it's yeah. like, I don't know, I just... So at this point, I'm about to wrap up with Lena, but you may hear some purring and you're probably wondering what that is. So it's Lena and Adam's cat, Tony the cat. And Tony actually has 67,000 followers on Instagram at I am Tony cat. And at some point he's just this like old, big white cat. Of course, Lena's just a cat lady as well. And Tony jumped into her lap and was just purring into the mic for the last like 20 minutes of us talking. It's really cute, but I wanted to forewarn you in case you're like, what is that sound? So yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of this conversation. So you mentioned like way earlier, you wanted to do this interview for you to kind of, I mean, tell me more about what you were looking for from this. I mean, I just feel like doing this interview is like more of my commitment to not dieting, to refuting all the thoughts in my head about food and what I need to look like. And, you know, it's like me doing this and and promoting it online is like the same thing as me, like not making those what I eat in a day videos. It's like I... I want to be the person that I needed when I was younger and I need to be that person. Like I need to be committing to being that person because I don't know, I just, I just needed to make like another step, you know? Yeah. But I definitely do feel like I'm, you know, I could be doing a bunch of other things on my Saturday and like, doing things that make me money and whatever, but I just like really feel like this is for my soul. This isn't, this isn't for my economic gain or for my celebrity or whatever. It's like, I just, this is for me, like me, Lana Nersessian. So yeah. I love that. Um, is there anything that you wanted to talk about or say? I think like what I think about a lot is, uh, dieting is hard and like doing this is hard, like not dieting. So it's like choosing one of the hards, like which one are you going to choose? And so I'm choosing this level of difficulty, even though it's going to be hard and it's going to be hard, but I can do it. And so that's just one thing that I guess I would want people to think about. And then the other thing I would want people to think about if they're listening to this is just being honest with yourself about what you're seeing on social media Mm. and like how it's affecting you. Because you might think like, oh, I just want to try this cool new thing, but it's like, why? And is that thought healthy? And 
I mean, I don't do this often, but when I do find myself just scrolling and going through pages and, you know, you can just get led into these wormholes and then I literally have to suck myself out and be like, oh, let's come back to reality. What just happened? No, throw your phone, you know? Yeah. You see so many images of people who have been edited. And even for me, it's like I, I cam in front of a ring light. And so my any indentations or wrinkles or spots in my face or whatever, they're all overexposed. Like I cannot see them when I'm on cam. And then I get off cam and I look in the mirror and wash my face. Or I'm like, you're comparing the two. And you're like, you have to really realize like, this is how people look in real life. And even people that you see on the internet, they look totally different, not totally different, but they look very different a lot of the time. And so just constantly reminding yourself about that if you feel that it's affecting you because we don't realize it. Yeah. We don't realize how much it's affecting us. If you are loving the Trust Your Body Project podcast as much as I am, and you want to learn more about rejecting diet culture and taking the power back from dieting and healing your relationship with food and your body, then visit me at whitneycatalano.com slash podcast. That's whitneycatalano.com slash podcast, where you can find out more information about the Patreon group and to join my community. Um, And you can find all of the episodes along with the show notes and any articles that I link to throughout the different episodes. So head on over to WhitneyCatalano.com slash podcast to learn more.